destiny and a divine purpose for this service. Praise the Lord. Hopefully you will understand that in just a few moments. Luke, uh, Mark chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And he, when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken into pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus, afar off he ran and worshipped him. And he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. And this is the, the demons in him speaking. But when he said unto them, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And the, the spirit responded that this is the devil talking. And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And then skipping down to verse 15, the Bible says, And when they came to Jesus to see him that was possessed, notice the past tense, he was possessed with the devil, and, that, and had the legion sitting and clothed, and in his right mind they were afraid. And they, saw, and they that saw it told them how it befell him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he had come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And also this morning, from the book of Luke, chapter 8, beginning with verse 26, this is the same story. It's Luke telling it, and they arrived in the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils a long time and wear no clothes, neither, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. I have a very strange title perhaps for this message that I would like to preach this morning. I want to title it, You Can Worship. You Can Worship. Hopefully in the next few moments... You will understand that title. Praise the Lord. One more time, if you will join with me, let's ask God to anoint the remainder of this service. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now for faith, for the spirit of faith to permeate through this building. God, we ask that our hearts and our minds would be open. I ask today in the name of Jesus 
that the Word of God we know is anointed, but that you would anoint the lips of clay and that every heart, that every mind, that every spirit this morning in this place would be open and receptive to the Word of God. In the name of Jesus, we pray that the will and the purpose of your Word would be accomplished, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God bless you this morning. You may be seated. Our story starts off this morning with Jesus and his disciples getting into a ship to cross the Sea of Galilee. In the book of Luke, it begins by saying on a certain day, they got into a ship and they went to cross the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is not very big. It only comprises of 64 square miles. At its longest point, it is 13 miles long. And at its widest point, is only 8 miles wide. The Sea of Galilee was not a very big place. But nonetheless, Jesus told His disciples that we're going to enter into a boat and we're going to cross the Sea of Galilee. What the disciples did not understand and what they did not see that Jesus did understand and did know that there was divine purpose and divine destiny for that trip. They weren't just taking a trip to go see beautiful scenery. They were not just taking a trip to go over there and meet with some in-laws, some outlaws, or some family member. But there was a purpose for that trip and that day when they got on that ship. And I will tell you today, and I'll have to ask permission from Pastor real quick, because I haven't asked until now. But this sermon might be a little bit like that. We're getting in a boat. And there's going to be a storm right in the center of it. But if you wait till the end, there's some divine power. Just stay with me through the stormy part. You'll understand in just a second. But understand they get on the boat and they set sail. And they take off. And Jesus does something that's kind of, uh, that's kind of strange. While the disciples are sailing the boat, Jesus does what? Goes to sleep. We all know that story. Jesus wasn't scared. Jesus wasn't nervous. He knew that he was going to make it to the other side. He knew where his divine purpose and the divine reason that he was going to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So he wasn't worried or nervous. Uh, all he knew uh, is that he was going over there to minister to a demoniac and the disciples had no clue. Uh, and as the storm began to form, they left Jesus asleep in the boat. They didn't go wake him up when it first started, but they waited until the storm was raging, until they feared for their life, uh, until they thought that they would go down until they thought there was no more hope uh, and there was no more chance uh, and there was no more of anything that they could do. Uh, they had fought the storm as long as they could uh, and then they called for Jesus uh, and that's why Jesus got up. Uh, he rebuked the winds uh, but he told them you have little faith uh, because if you had known the reason you would have known this storm couldn't stop us. Uh, you would have known that the Satan uh, couldn't, couldn't stop the divine purpose uh, which I'm going to perform in just a few moments. Uh, I don't know if it's true, uh, but it sounds good for the sake of this sermon. 
Perhaps Satan saw the direction of Jesus. Perhaps Satan looked up and he saw Jesus and the disciples getting in the boat and they were heading for this little place of the Gadarenes. And Satan remembered, wait a minute, I've got a man over there that's possessed with a legion of demons and Jesus just might meet him. Jesus just might rendezvous with him and I can't stand that and I don't want that so I'm going to create a storm. I'm going to create a situation to stop uh, Jesus, uh, to stop the power of God. I've got to hinder him and I've got to stop him. Uh, But I want to tell you right now, uh, it doesn't matter what Satan tries. uh, If you're in the divine will uh, and divine purpose of God, uh, Satan can stalk all the storms he wants. Uh, He can make it as bad as he wants. Uh, You can even begin to fear for your own life. Uh, But I want to tell you this morning, grace is on divine destiny course uh, and we're headed to a purpose uh, and to a place uh, with Jesus uh, and a rendezvous uh, with a sick uh, and dying world uh, and all of hell can't stop us uh, all of the Satan can't stop us uh, hallelujah we just got to stay on the boat with Jesus say brother Merrill I'm going through some trying times You'll remember a few weeks ago for the adult Sunday school class, I taught a series when Satan shows up the most. One of the times that Satan rears his ugly head is right before a great manifestation of the power of God. Before Jesus could could deliver the demoniac of Gadara, there was a storm that had to rage. I want to tell you this morning, if you're facing, I'm not here to preach on the storm. I'll get to my message in a little while. I got about a 45-minute introduction and a five-minute sermon. But if you're facing a storm, you ought to thank God for it. You ought to thank God for the hard times. Say, it's hard, Brother Merrill, I know. I know it is, but you thank God for the hard times. Thank God for the tough times because it's those times that bring a manifestation and it brings the power of God into your life. I want to tell you this morning, don't worry about the storm. You're on a, you're on a, a destiny course. There's a destiny promise for you. I'll tell you this morning, there's three types of people in reference to the storm. And again, I'm not here to preach on that. There's three types of people in reference to the storm that's here this morning. The first type of people in reference to the storm are those that are at the end of the storm. And you're fixing to see a manifestation of God. Feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'm telling you. There's people in this building, you're going to see a manifestation of the power of God in your life. And then there's a second group, and that's those that are in the middle of the storm. And it's hard to see which way's up and which way's down because the storm is blowing. And then there's those you're fixing to go into the storm. It's not very popular to say, I know. But there are those God, I believe, has spoken to me today about two families that are in the part of this church that are fixing to go into a stormy season. One of them is not even here today. But when the storm comes, Hold on. Don't get out of the boat. Stay with Jesus. 
Because as long as Jesus is in the boat with you, you're going to make it to the other side. Jesus ain't going to let you go down. Jesus ain't going to let you go down. But after they go through the stormy sea and they get to this land of the Gadarenes, it's part of the tribe of Gad that was on the other side of the Jordan River. You can read about it in the book of Joshua. When they get there, there is a man that they meet. Very little is ever said about this man. I haven't heard too many sermons about him. But I I can tell you that there is a man that comes to Jesus. uh, And the Bible gives us some very very strong details about some parts of his life. uh, And he gives us some strong details about some things uh, that he was going through. uh, And I want to talk about some of that this morning. First of all, the Bible says that he lived in the tombs. He lived... In the tombs. In other words, he was trying to gain life from dead people. He was spending his life trying to seek direction and to seek guidance and to seek life uh, out of people that were dead. I want to tell you this morning, we've got to make sure that we don't seek our life uh, out of dead people. There are people that may surround us uh, that may be dead. Uh, Young people, I want to tell you this morning, when it comes time for temptation, when it comes time for you need to try this, uh, or you need to do this, uh, or you need to live like this, uh, I want to tell you, don't go seek advice uh, from another 13 or 14 year old uh, that doesn't know who God is. uh, But I want to tell you, seek out an old saint of God uh, that's been around the block a time or two. uh, That's lived life uh, and tell them uh, I need some words of life uh, in my life right now. I'm facing a temptation. I'm facing a situation and I need life. uh, And you're not going to find life in the mouth of dead people. To our adults, When life goes south, and it does for everybody, seek the answers among the living. Don't look to the dead people for life. The person at work that doesn't have a relationship with God is probably not the best one to tell you how to keep your marriage together. It's probably not the best one to tell you how to raise your kids. Uh, It's not the best one to tell you how to serve God. I want to tell you people, we got to stop seeking for life uh, in the tombs of the dead people and begin to seek for life uh, at the feet uh, of Jesus. Uh, He's the life giver. He's the one that gives life. Uh, He said, I am the bread and the life oh this morning let's clap our hands to him talk to people that always seem to struggle they always seem to have a problem in a circumstance that's keeping them down and then when you find out who they're listening to it's old aunt so and so I'm going to step out on a limb here. If I'm in trouble, I'm going to deal with it after church. Nobody else can say anything to me. How do you like that? I want to address our young people again. Don't, please don't, try to learn 
how to serve God from spiritually dead parents. Well, it just got real quiet. Dead people don't have life in them, even if it's mom and dad. Even if it's mom and dad. Learn to serve God from those that are alive. Don't let people tell you you can't make it. Don't let people tell you you can't serve God. Don't let people tell you that God doesn't love you. Don't tell, let people tell you that all of serving God doesn't really matter. That God's not going to do anything for you. Don't ever let people tell you that. Even if it's an old mom or a dad that's spiritually dead. I want to tell you this morning. And I'm pleading with everybody in this building. If you want to learn how to serve God. If you want to learn how to live. Uh, go to the one that said I have come. That you might have life. Uh, and that you might have it. The more abundantly this morning hallelujah Jesus is the only way hallelujah then the Bible says that this man I didn't even come to preach this I'm still in my introduction that he was day and night Mark says he was day and night in the mountains Luke in 8 and 29 says he was in the wilderness he lived a place alone a place that was destitute a place that was unproductive. The wilderness produces nothing. It's a place of, of dry and barrenness. It's a place of unproductivity. In other words, when he looked around in his life, there was nothing there of any value. There was nothing there of any benefit to anybody. And I talked about it in the adult Sunday school class this morning about how we should benefit the lives of others. Uh, and this man had no benefit to anybody. And uh, he looked in his life. Uh, he couldn't see anybody's life he touched. He couldn't see anybody's life he ministered to. When he walked by, nobody benefited. His life was basically a useless and unproductive life. It was barren of all fruitfulness. It was barren of all nourishment. It was barren of all, of all encouragement. There was nothing there. He lived in the wilderness in a desolate and lonely place. He had no productivity. He had nothing. It was just everyday fight for survival. He got up every morning wondering, am I going to make it through today? Wondering, is there anybody that really loves me? Is there anybody that cares? He got up every morning by himself. He didn't have a support group like AA. He didn't have a support group called Demoniacs of Gadara Anonymous. He had nobody to help him out. He basically lived alone. Luke says that he could live in no house. He lived in a life of loneliness and despair and brokenness and unproductivity. The Bible also says that he could not be bound. I might step on some toes here and I apologize, not really. I want everybody to listen. If you don't listen to anything else, please listen now. The Bible says that he was bound with fetters and with chains, and he broke them. I want to understand something, and, and we preach on this scripture all the time about breaking the chains of bondage and all that, and blah, 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 and that's good. 
But would you understand with me this morning that they were not trying to cast him in prison? They didn't put the fetters and the chains on him to put him in prison. All they were trying to do was restrain him from hurting himself. All they were trying to do was to keep him from damaging his own self. You see, there are restraints in life. There are some things in our life that are restraints. It's not bondage. It's not prison. It's restraints. And they're only put in your life to benefit you. Now fetters, if you look up the word fetters, the Bible says in Leviticus they were made of brass. Brass is an alloy. Brass is a mixture of copper and nickel. It's an alloy. It takes two pieces to make a fetter. There's two ingredients. Now the difference between a fetter and a chain or this brass is the fetters are not very hard. Brass is a lot softer than iron. It can be easily broken. It can be easily, it's brittle, it can be easily broken, and it's pliable, it gives a little bit more, it stretches a little bit more, it's, it's not as strong as the iron. I want you to understand this morning that, that the, the fetters of brass, it's a type, it's, it's a kind of restraint in our life of made of two components. It's me and God. And God tells me some things. Meryl, there's some restraints uh, in your life that you need to have. These ain't gospel. They're not word of God. But this is some restraint, son. It's to benefit you. It's to protect you. It's to keep you from hurting yourself. This is something between me and God Almighty. And they're pliable. And they give a little bit. And so there's things in my life that is a restraint to me. There's things that I've put around my life that are restraints. It may not apply to you, but it applies to me. And then there are the chains, and they're iron. They don't give. They don't, they don't just stretch a little bit. They're rigid. They're solid. They're unbreakable. They're there without any leeway. And this, I believe, is the Word of God. Remember that the Word of God places us uh, in a restraint. It's not bondage. It's not prison. But it is a restraint in our life uh, to prevent us uh, from going down a pathway of destruction. And the Word of God is unbreakable. It's unbendable. It does not give. Uh, when the Bible says uh, that God does not like a liar, He means uh, He don't like a liar. It ain't a give it for a certain situation it doesn't mean that you can flex it a little bit or God understands my position it means that God said thou shalt not and that means what it means and there are things in the word of God that we try to bend and we try to flex and we try to make them into something they're not but I want to tell you the restraints of the word of God are the restraints of the word of God and they are yea and amen and they are true and they are faithful and and they are just uh, and they are there to protect you uh, and to lead you uh, and to guide you uh, in, the walk, in the walk with God. I knew it wasn't going to be popular. Have you ever thought about this? How many of you ever prayed that prayer when, when God talks to, to Satan about Job? Satan says you have a hedge about Job. 
Has anybody ever prayed for a hedge of protection? What is a hedge? It's a restraint. It's a parameter. Oh, don't get quiet now. It's a parameter. You ask God, oh God, hedge me about with your blood and the Holy Ghost. And so God does it. And then we get mad and say, now he's got me in bondage. You mean, God, I can't do and go and think like I want to think? You mean I can't have the bad attitude that I want to have, God? You mean you've placed a restraint on me? In other words, God, you've got me hedged around with protection just like you said you would do. But now, God, I don't want the protection because it means I can't get to where I want to go, which is the point of having protection. He didn't put the hedge about Job to keep Job in a parameter or in bondage. He did it to keep Satan away from Job. The restraints in our life, folks, and you can take it any which way you want to, the restraints are for our protection. Never mind. I do find it amazing. This is amazing to me that the only way this man could break the chain or break the word of God was under direct power of Satan. Isn't that amazing? The only way this man could break a chain, which is the word of God, is if Satan empowered him to do it. It makes you wonder about people that constantly break the word of God and live contrary to the word of God, but yet say, I serve him. If you serve God, you don't mind being restrained a little bit for your own protection. Bible also says of this man that he spent a lot of time crying. We read that. Cutting himself with stones. Pain, agony, discomfort had become his only comfort. Isn't that amazing how people do that? I've, I've met people in my short life. I say short because it has been very short. I'm much younger than most of you think. Most of you think I'm fixing to turn 39. That's actually true. Have you ever seen people or known people that are not happy unless there's a major tragedy in life? I've seen people, they can't stand it when they're well. God bless me with a sickness. God bless me with a disease. I'm feeling too good right now. I don't know what I'm going to do. My body's good. Everything's fine. I'm not happy unless I've got some ailment to talk about. Well, I want to tell you, there are times in our life and people's lives uh, when pain and discomfort and hurt and situation and problems and turmoil becomes the only comfort that they have. They're not happy unless they're sad. I'm hurrying. The Bible also says that he was naked. He lived a life of shame. He had no hope. He had no future. Nothing better for tomorrow 
than what was there today and what was there yesterday. Tomorrow offered nothing any different. There was nothing tomorrow or next week. He couldn't say, well, this is only going to be for a few more days and then my ship will come in. Well, that's literally what happened, but uh, it was not going to be just a few more days and everything is going to be okay and I'm waiting on me to win the lottery and, and it's not going to be long and this is going to happen and that's going to happen. You realize this man, when he looked into his future, all he saw was a reflection of his past. He didn't see anything better on the horizon. He saw no more hope and nothing else better. This one man, this demoniac of Gadara, was the embodiment, the physical embodiment of every trial, every circumstance, and every situation that humanity can possibly face. Uh, in this one man dwelled every kind of problem you can have. You say, what are you talking about? It may not be the exact problem, but it's in the same situation. He cried day and night. In other words, he couldn't get his emotions under control. He had emotional problems. He had mental problems. He was not able to deal with relationships because he left, he lived in tombs. He couldn't even have a good relationship. He was cut and bruised and beat up. He had physical problems. He had spiritual problems. If you can name a problem, this man had them. He had every problem. But despite his problems, despite his circumstances, Despite the fact that a legion of demons was living on the inside of him. A legion of demons is between six and 12,000. He wasn't just devil-possessed. He was devils-possessed. They were plural. They were many of them. And despite all of that, I want you to hear me now. Hear me, people. Hear me, people. When despite of his circumstance, despite of his situation, despite his problems, despite his sickness, despite Satan himself and all the devils of hell warring against him, when he had enough of legion, when he got sick of life the way it was, when he got sick of no hope, when he got sick of his physical problem, when he got sick of his mental problem, when he got sick of his emotional problem, he didn't run to Jesus and begin to say, oh God, please help me because I'm devil possessed. No, he didn't. He didn't run up there and say, oh God, I'm so sick with this disease. Please help me. I need you to answer my prayer. No, he didn't. He didn't run to God and say, where are you? I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what's going on, uh, but I want to show you in the scripture what he said, what he did. Uh, the Bible says uh, that he ran to Jesus and began to worship. Uh, all he did uh, was worship. Uh, it ain't about me. Uh, it's all about you. Uh, it ain't about my problem. It's about you, God. Uh, it ain't about my circumstance. It's about you. When he saw Jesus, 
he couldn't stop it. When he saw Jesus, he couldn't help it. When he saw Jesus, uh, he said, wait a minute. Uh, here's my opportunity. Here's my chance. Uh, here it is uh, right in front of me. I don't have to live life depressed anymore. I don't have to live life uh, with this sickness anymore. I don't have to live life uh, with my emotional, emotional problems anymore. I don't have to live life uh, not being able to have uh, a decent relationship uh, because I see uh, a man called Jesus and I am going to worship him he forgot about his problems he forgot about his situations he didn't go to Jesus and say well God you know I cut myself all up last night the Bible doesn't mention any tears it doesn't mean, mention any sorrow. And I'm not against those things. We ought to tell God all our needs. But it did say that he worshipped. And I'm going to tell you right now. I don't believe that he worshipped Mamby Pamby. Hello. Imagine this. You're sitting at home. It's you and the most important person to you in your life, wife, husband, kid, could be your mama, could be your daddy, whoever, whoever's important, whoever you love, they're sitting beside you, and without anything, without any warning, they fall out on the floor and stop breathing. What do you do? It's not a trick question, what do you do? Start CPR, call 911. Let me tell you what you don't do. Well, honey, you quit breathing, huh? Well, I know I got to get see the paramedics in a few minutes, so I'm going to go in here. I've been just been out mowing grass. I'm stinking. So if you'll hold on, I'm going to go shower. Get all cleaned up. And I'm going to put on some nice jeans. Nice shirt, because I know i got to go to the hospital. Well, maybe I ought to wear slacks. No, I don't know. What, I, what should I wear? Well, I'll figure it out while I'm in the shower. And then you don't call 911 and say, Hi, my name is, you know, Meryl. My, uh, oh, what's your name? Carol? Hey, Carol, how you doing? You know, everything going good? Oh, you're, oh, I know who you are. Didn't you marry so-and-so? Do you have, a, you're the one that makes the real good chicken pot pie. That's not what you do. It's not a casual stroll in the park. You don't approach that situation all sweet and kind and loving and gentle. No, that 911 call goes a little bit different. It's more like this 911! My so-and-so just passed out on the floor and I don't think they're breathing anymore. You need to get some help over here and you need to get them over here right now. You'll forget what you're wearing. You'll forget about the chicken pot pie. You don't even care that person's name. All you know is you've got to have some help and you're going to get real passionate real fast in order to get that, that help that you need. I want to tell you this morning, when you come to worship him, when you come to worship Him, it is not.
I know I'm being sarcastic. I know I'm being cynical. But I'm also being true. And that's the only other way I know how to be. I want to tell you this morning, it's not about who you are. It's not about what you are. It's not about who you once were. It ain't about your past. It ain't about your present. It ain't even about your future. You are here to worship Him because of who He is. It's got nothing to do with you. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Praise the Lord. He never told Jesus a single thing about his problems. And I'm not against that. But I want to tell you, I'll go ahead and tell you, I probably shouldn't, it may be too early, but I'll tell you. The direction I feel in this service is we're going to worship in a little while. We're going to worship. Y'all are looking at me like a cow looking at a new gate. Do we know what worship is? Whoo, y'all are on fire. Anyway, don't mean to be sarcastic, I'm sorry, I apologize. When Jesus got done with this demoniac of Gadara, he had to change the sign on his forehead. The neon sign said under new management. His whole life changed. Everything about him changed. Not because he, he went to God with all his problems, but because he went to Jesus and all he could do was worship him. He didn't even have anything to praise God for. He couldn't say, I praise you, Jesus, because praise is dictated by what's going on in your life most of the time. We praise God for what He's done. We worship God for who He is. We praise God because He fattened our bank account. We worship God when we're poor and destitute and we have nothing because He is a provider. Hallelujah. We praise God when He's healed us. And boy, we did. Woo! Praise God. He healed me. Can't wait to tell everybody. But we worship Him when disease is ravishing our body and we don't know if we're going to be healed or not and we're not sure what's going to happen and we're not sure of tomorrow and we're not sure of the future. You stand and worship Him not because you heal, He healed you. You worship Him because He is a healer. You worship Him because of who He is. Praise the Lord. So this morning, this morning, sorry about that, there are people in this place that need to worship. Today is going to be different than it has been in the past because this is what we're going to do. We're not going to come around the front and tell God all our problems. He already knows. We're not going to come around the front and weep and cry about horrible our life has been in the past. We're not going to walk around the front and bellyache and complain about our present. 
But in a few minutes, we're going to gather around the front and we're going to worship. We're just going to worship. You can worship. But Brother Merrill, you don't understand. No, you can worship. But life is not very good. You can worship. But my circumstance ain't all that what I wanted it to be. You can worship. You don't understand the past, Brother Merrill. You can worship. I'm distracted, Brother Merrill. You can worship. Oh, yes, you can. You can do it. I got faith in you. I got confidence in you. All you have to do is tell him how awesome he is. Uh, We're going to worship this morning. Praise the Lord. Stand with me. will do my best right now to take away your, circum- your, your excuses and when I say worship I'm not talking about now you worship how you feel Brother Murphy's already said that you worship how you feel and in your way I want you to get passionate about your worship Does it, is there anybody let me just ask it this way everybody give me your attention is there anybody in this building I'm going to stand up here so I can see Is there anybody in this building that has a need? Is there anybody in this building that has a need that wants to see that need met today? Is there anybody in this building that has a need that wants to see it met today that's willing to worship like you want it met? Go back to the 911 call. When you talk to the 911 operator, I've heard recordings of 911 calls before. I've never heard a pious call. You talk to that operator like you really, really want some help. If we could worship this morning, not because Brother Merrill said so, Not because that's the way God wants this service to go. Not because of what's going on in your life. If we would worship this morning like He wants us to worship, just let it go and worship Him because of who He is. I'll tell you this morning that somebody in this building would have a divine answer to your need. But it's going to happen. We talk about faith. God heals so and so on faith. And that's absolutely. God in the Bible even showed us that miracles sometimes come because of compassion just simply of God. He has compassion on us. There's sometimes God performs a miracle for somebody just simply because they've been faithful and they've been dependable. But there's a pattern right here that Jesus shows us that He can take care of your physical problem. He can take care of your emotional problem. He can take care of your mental problem. He can take care of your spiritual problems if you will worship Him because of who He is. And all the devils of hell 
Some six to 12,000 demons in that man's body could not stop him when he decided that I am going to worship. Is there anybody here this morning that's sick and tired of life the way it's been? Are you sick and tired of Satan having control? Are you sick and tired of the problem? Are you sick and tired of the situation? Are you sick and tired of the legion that seems to be a part of your life? It's time to worship. It's time to worship. Woo! This is what we're going to do this morning. This is what we're going to do. Musicians are going to sing and they're going to play something worshipful. If you have a need and you want, you need that need met. You desire it. In fact, you desire it enough you're willing to let loose a little bit of worship and not necessarily worry about that person that's standing beside you. You're not even worried about other people in the building. You believe the scripture when it says, oh, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. You believe the Bible where it says that you can jump for joy. You believe the Bible where it says to dance with all of your might and worship Him and praise Him with the dance. If you want to worship and see God minister to your need, then this morning you've got an opportunity. If you have a need this morning, God, I feel the Holy Ghost. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. If there is a need, it doesn't matter what it is. No, no limitations. God's not powerless. And you want to see that need met. I want you to come up the front right here. Come line up up front. Come on. Come on. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. How many of you are ready for your needs to be met right now? How many of you are ready for your needs to be met? All right, hold on. This is what we're going to do. We have gathered here this morning. We've heard the Word of God. I'm going to pray right now. We're going to pray a word of faith. So you don't need faith now. And after that, I'm just going to say worship. You tell Him all about Him, how awesome He is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for this congregation of people. We speak right now the word of faith. We trust in You. Our faith, our hope, our confidence is in You. God, I know that You have given this word today for divine purpose. I know right now, God, that you're fixing to meet these needs in the name of Jesus. Now let's worship Him. Hallelujah. Let's worship 